Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all, this morning. It's a delight to see everybody this morning and to welcome you, especially if you're a visitor with us. We're delighted that you're here. We certainly hope that everybody feels very much at home here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. And welcome, one and all, to those of you who are worshiping with us online. Had lunch with some great GPC members the other day, and they were so grateful for this online live stream worship opportunities. So welcome to all of you worshiping with us online. We hope that everybody feels uh, very much at home here at GPC. I invite you to take the friendship pad that's in the inside aisle of each pew. If you would take that pad and uh, sign your name to it and then pass that down the row and then you can see who's worshiping with you and then uh, I invite you to greet one another in just a few minutes at the appropriate time during the service. We do have visitors' bags, yellow visitors' bags in the narthex for if you are visiting, you'd like to know more about GPC and you'd like to um, receive lots of information, it's in those bags and we'd be delighted for you to take one of those and to get to know the church and to learn more about who we are as a family of faith. Thank you to everyone who helped with the outdoor, moved indoor uh, worship service last Sunday night at 6, our contemporary service was going to be outside, but the weather forced us inside, but we had a great turnout. We're so thankful for everybody who came for that. We'll be back on at 6 in Warren Hall tonight and would invite you to bookend your worship on this day with our evening service at 6 p.m. in Warren Hall. We will have a very brief congregational meeting next Sunday, not today, but next Sunday. After this 11 o'clock worship service, we uh, we need to elect one deacon and one elder So we'll do that uh, next Sunday. It'll take a very short amount of time, but that'll be a congregational meeting next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service. And then lastly, friends, we know that this is Memorial Day weekend and tomorrow is Memorial Day. And so we do pause to express our our deep gratitude and our thanks for all those who have served and who've lost their lives in service to this country. We remember them today and especially tomorrow on Memorial Day. Those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Let us praise the Lord, God, and our salvation. May our voices and instruments be lifted up in worship the Almighty God. Please stand as we join together in our call to worship. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the loud songs of joy. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises to the Lord. 
God is merciful and just. God cannot abide our sin. Yet God provides the means for forgiveness through Christ. Let us pray together our prayer of confession. Holy and good God, we confess our sin and ask for your mercy. We know that in Jesus we have the perfect example of faith and obedience. We do not follow him like we should. We often turn away from him. We resist his mercy and healing. Please forgive our hardened hearts and mend our antagonism toward you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need your grace to live as his disciples. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the risen Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice and in God's goodness. of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. We come with joy this morning to celebrate the sacrament of baptism for Riley Aaron Powell, who is the daughter of Aaron and Thomas Powell and the younger sister of Hayden. We're so grateful to God for the blessing of this family, and we give God gratitude as we celebrate the sacrament of baptism on her behalf. We're also grateful for our elder, Elizabeth Powell, who happens to be Riley's grandmother, and she is representing the session this morning, and we're grateful for that. And we thank you for Roy Paris, who is representing the children of the church. We are small in number for the children of the church this morning, but, but quality over quantity. And so we are grateful, grateful for uh, Roy this morning and for Sam. All of us here today, are we are in this body of Christ together. We're here together. We represent the whole Christian church, the whole body of Christ universal. We come to claim Riley as part of the covenant of grace. We are always mindful that this word sacrament has the word sacred in it, and it does uh, mean that we are doing something sacred here. 
that God is setting aside this water from its ordinary usage to be a sacred moment in Riley's life and in the life of this family and our extended church family. We are grateful that God uses the sacrament of baptism and that God uses temporal elements like water in order to do something sacred and wonderful in a child's life. We always define sacraments as outward visible signs of God's inward invisible grace. The water of baptism symbolizes our washing and our cleansing from sin by Christ's blood and sacrifice. And through Christ, God forgives our sins and claims us as his own. We remember the gospel narratives where Jesus was himself baptized in the Jordan River, signifying his solidarity with humanity and his desire to lead us out of lives of sin and into grace. So we celebrate that baptism is the beginning of a journey by which we grow closer and closer to Christ every day. In the church, we speak of God's promises to us in the terms of a covenant. God has made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ to be our loving and faithful God throughout our lives. This is the covenant of grace through which God forgives us of our sins and grants us eternal life. We gratefully respond to God's covenant of grace by living for God through faith in Jesus Christ, believing in God's promises and obeying the word of our Lord. We baptize those whom God has included in the covenant of grace and mercy. By water and by the Holy Spirit, this child, Riley, will be joined to the body of Christ and the family of God. We will all make promises on Riley's behalf, and God is counting on us to keep our promises so that she will grow up in faith and will love Christ in her life. Thank you. Now I ask her parents to reaffirm their own faith. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, taking the Father as your creator and maker, God the Son as your Savior and Lord, and God the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide? Do you? And do you promise by God's grace and help to provide a Christian home for Riley? And by your example, raise her in the faith of the gospel and in the fellowship of the Christian church, do you? We do. Thank you. And now our vow of friendship. Riley will depend on her Christian friends as she grows in faith and love. We represent her peers who will be a blessing to her in the church where she will grow up as a young Christian in Minnesota. Do we, the children and youth of the church, promise to love Riley as a Christian, to walk with her on the path of faith, to share our time in fellowship with her, to read the Bible with her, and to talk about God with her, and the and to be the friends in Jesus Christ? If we, the children and youth of the church, Will, are willing to make this promise to Riley, will you please raise your hand? Good job. Good job. Okay. We represent the Church Universal, and so I ask the congregation to reaffirm its pledge to love, support, and teach all people, and in particular Riley, in the ways of Jesus Christ. Do we, as a congregation of God's people, promise to play our part in the Christian support of Riley by providing instruction in the gospel of God's love, the example of Christian character, and the strong support of the family of God in fellowship, prayer, and service? 
If we so promise, will you please stand? Let us pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, O oh God, we pray that you would bless the faith of this family and of this church family and of all churches everywhere. Set aside this water from its common use and may it now be part of something sacred that you are doing in Riley's life as you seal her with your love now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Riley Aaron Powell, you are a child of the covenant of grace, and so I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. You are witnesses that Riley Powell has been received into the family and household of God through baptism. She now shares with us in the priesthood of Christ. I call on you, the GPC congregations, to pray for Riley and her family and to care for her so that she may grow in Christian faith and life and continue in Christ's service all her days. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you again for... Riley and for her life, for who she is and who she will become. Lord, we're so grateful for what she means to her family, and so we lift her parents up to you. Lord, we pray for Aaron, and we pray for Thomas, and we pray for Hayden. May they be the example of Christ in her life as she continues to grow and mature. Lord, as she grows, we pray that you would protect her in all dangers and in all temptations. And may she be blessed, Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, now and forever. Lord, we lift up to you all the families and all the homes of this congregation. May we receive your grace upon grace upon grace to be the husbands and wives, to be the parents, mothers and fathers. Lord, to be siblings in Christ that you call us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Riley, we do have a gift for you. We have a gift of a children's Bible, and I'll give this to your mom now, and just know that when, as you grow up, as, she continue, as you continue to grow up, Riley, we pray for your uh, heart to be um, embedded in these stories, and that you come to know the God of the Bible, who has loved you from the very beginning, even though you don't know about God yet, you will, as you continue to grow up in this family of faith as you continue to learn more and more about Christ all of your days. Amen. I invite the congregation to remain seated as we sing our blessing for
Open our ears and open our eyes to new visions, Holy Spirit. Give us insight into your will for us through what we read and hear. We pray that you would empower us to be your people today and always. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We are at the very end of our sermon series on the book of Revelation, so we made it through uh, these last seven weeks since Easter, and we come to the very end of the book itself, the very last uh, verses in Revelation 22, 12 through 21. See, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. Let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. And I warn everyone who hears these words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add that person to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I shall return was the famous promise made by Douglas MacArthur as he was ordered out of the Bataan Peninsula and off Corregidor Island in the Philippines in March of 1942. The Philippines were being overrun and American troops were also being overrun and they were worn down physically and mentally. They were out of ammunition, down to the final crumbs of food. It was clear to all there on the scene itself and even back in Washington that their cause was lost, at least temporarily, and that in order to save tens of thousands of lives, there would be a massive American and Filipino troop surrender. I've been working my way through the book Ghost Soldiers, written by a native man sides, and Maybe you've read it. I know several of you have. In this book, he describes that Bataan death march. And he talks about how there were 25,000 American troops and 50,000 Filipino troops who made that arduous journey in those months of 1942. And then during the ensuing two and a half years, they would face brutal conditions at the hands of their captors, and thousands upon thousands of them did not survive which is one reason, just a slice of a reason why we remember them and so many others on this weekend and in particular tomorrow on Memorial Day. President Roosevelt ordered MacArthur to lead the Philippines, and he did so. It was against his will, but he followed his chief, his chief and he was traveling through Australia when he issued this 
promise that became a rallying cry for everybody left behind. I shall return. When those words and that promise made it back to the Philippines, they said that it galvanized the remaining troops and everybody left behind, even the civilians. It gave them something to hold on to. It gave them something to look forward to. When he made that promise, I shall return, one of Roosevelt's advisors, Edwin Watson, said, that statement is worth five corps of men, 50,000 men, because it gave everybody resolve. It gave all determination. And they then knew what their goal was. It was to hold out until his return. They would be, they would be and we know this, so many years, much suffering and many years to wait between the promise that was made and its fulfillment over two years. But anticipating that return is what gave so many people hope. I shall return was said by Jesus many times in his ministry. And as we wrap up this post-Easter sermon series on the book of Revelation, we have come to this now last chapter in the last book of the Bible, the whole Bible, the one that started with in the beginning, now ends with, I shall return. And throughout this series, we've tackled some of these main themes of Revelation. I've loved hearing some of your feedback from you as you've read through this again, maybe for the first time in a while. And yes, you've seen all of these vivid imageries and these weird animals and beasts, and you've seen all these colors, you've seen all these numeral codes. We've talked about how through all of this, and it's hard to understand in many places, but we've talked about how more than anything else, Revelation is a book of hope. It is a book of hope. We know that John's Christian community faced great persecutions in that day and age at the end of the first century. So he is writing to offer hope to those Christians, imploring them to persevere, to keep going, to not lose faith. So Revelations is in part, as we've acknowledged, it's written to Christians in the first century AD who were undergoing really hard times, written to encourage them to persevere and to keep going in their faith. So the other part of it, though, that we've talked about is it's not only written to those Christians in the first century describing events going on in their lives, but part of John's vision is also about the future. It's about the future, and so part of the difficulty of understanding Revelation is to try to understand and interpret where John is writing to his own day and age, and then where in these visions is he dreaming about a future day, the last day, in fact. When is he thinking about the end of creation and the advent and the arrival of God's coming kingdom. The last couple of weeks, we've been in chapter 21, and so 21 and 22 are clearly places in the book of Revelation where John is writing and and giving a vision of what the future will be like and of what the end will be like. So we saw in chapter 21 of the last couple of weeks where it is a vision of the future, and it's a beautiful vision. John has a vision of of a new heaven, and a new earth, this recreation of creation. Last week, we looked at the crystal river, that tree of life. We looked at the new Jerusalem, all of these great symbolic terms and visions 
for a future, with live, with a future in which we will live with God, where we will be present with God. It is a dream. It's a vision. And remember a few weeks ago I said that a biblical vision is often like a dream that we have, a dream that's, that's based in reality, and it involves real people and real events, and yet it's beyond reality. It is surreal, even if it's based in reality. So these are parts of the visions in the last couple of chapters that fall into the category of eschatology. And you've probably studied that word at some point before in church circles, but eschatology is the branch of Christian theology that studies the end. The eschaton is the end times. And so we are, we are mindful that Scripture teaches, of course, that this creation that began in the beginning does have a beginning in time and in space. It does have a beginning But Scripture also teaches in many places, not just Revelation, but in lots of places, that creation as we know it, the creation that we live in here and now, will also have an end of time as we know it. The creation as we know it in the beginning and then will be completed in the eternal kingdom of God. It is... A surreal vision, it's a poetic vision, it does involve lots of symbolism because our minds can't grasp what that will be like in the future, but we're given visions of it. We looked at last week how God will come and and live directly with His people. God will live directly in the new creation. People in the new creation are healed of all of their afflictions. And then John quotes from Isaiah 25 some of these incredible words. And I, I, honestly, I think I say these words at just about every funeral that I've ever conducted, where it says, John does, borrowing from Isaiah 25, that on that day in that kingdom, God will wipe away every tear from every face because death and crying and suffering will be no more. A great vision of the future. It is a great vision of hope, this image of God tenderly, removing all sources of pain and suffering and grief. We need visions like this. We need to remind ourselves what the future is and what the goal is and that promise to return, what that is all about. We need those visions because there are some weeks when we realize just how far we are in the here and now from God's good and complete kingdom of love. Revelation promises that God's kingdom of peace is coming, but until then, until then we live in a creation that is fallen and pain-filled. In the new Jerusalem, there will be a pure crystal river filled with the water of life. But in this creation, and in our country, and especially in the Texas Hill country, there flows today a river of tears. For every one of those 19 young children gunned down and for their two teachers, there is a river of tears that will never be dried up in this creation and in this lifetime. Which is why we cling to visions of hope, visions of hope like John's. God Himself will carefully and lovingly dry the tears from every eye that cries because of this week. 
We believe in a vision of a renewed creation where children do not have weapons pointed at them. Someone who is practically a child himself, certainly emotionally and mentally still a child. Our creation here now, life within our time and our history is vastly different. Vastly different from what life in God's kingdom will be like. In our time, people purchase weapons of mass destruction not for defending themselves, but to turn them on others offensively out of anger and sin and frustration and mental illness and rage and revenge. But we cling to a vision of God's future when that will never, ever happen. We believe in the vision of God's new creation, but in our creation, in the here and now, there is a plague of broken families like that of Tuesday's shooter. We know that there are fathers who abandon their children irresponsibly and tragically and and leave them without the guidance and nurturing and discipline that only a loving father can offer. We know in our world, mothers do get hooked on drugs and find themselves desperate and leave their children to be raised by aunts or grandmothers, denying their children the guidance and nurturing and discipline that only a loving mother can offer. Children need both a good father and a good mother in their lives. And so many children in the world don't have one or the other or either. And so there's chaos. The promise of the gospel is that in God's eternal kingdom of the renewed creation, all brokenness, all brokenness in every family's will be healed and overcome by the power and the love of God. All the spiritual pain that emerges in our families will be washed away and overcome by God's good love. All of that will happen. We believe in that vision. We believe in it here and now, even if we're a long way. I'm here and now in this world and in this history. Some of the people you should trust the most turn out to be the worst. The report out of the Southern Baptist Convention this week confirmed what thousands of people have known for decades, that there are some clergy and there are some church leaders in Baptist churches who have been abusing people placed in their care. Shepherds turned into wolves, devouring their lambs and breaking so many hearts. And I know this, and you know this, it's like the Catholic church scandals over the decades. It's not the majority of ministers or priests who are predators. It's not at all. There are dozens and dozens who do right for every one who does evil. It's a small minority compared to the whole, but the sins of the few contaminate the whole. Sins cast a dark cloud over the whole church of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this during our Sunday school hour. Sometimes visitors come and they're just curious about faith and curious about who Christ is and curious about what church is like. Can you imagine reading those headlines this week? and wondering if you should ever go into a church as a place of trust. It's tragic. We are a long way from the renewed creation, and this week just reminds us all of how much we we long for John's vision and for Jesus' own words to come true. We need God's kingdom to come. We long, as Paul writes, we long for ourselves and for the redemption of our bodies. In our time, in this history, right now, there are bodies that contain deadly diseases in them. There are bodies injured by wrecks and accidents. There's pain and broken relationship. 
brings pain in broken hearts. There are world wars and regional wars and wars on our streets, and lots of people are running scared. But we believe in the vision. We believe that one day, one final climactic day in God's good timing and the fullness of time, Christ shall return. He promised that He would come back, and we know that His return will signal a new beginning for all those who love Him, for those who persevere. His return will be the end of history as we know it and the dawn of a new creation and time beyond time in all of eternity. Jesus will return, and God's compassionate kingdom of eternal life will finally be all in all. We catch glimpses of it every now and then, every once in a while. There are words and places that remind us that we have this vision that we long for. I wonder if anybody ever grew up in a church that had Maranatha in its name. You'll see lots of little Maranatha churches spread out across, especially little towns across the south. That word itself is one word used in the New Testament. It means, come, Lord. Maranatha Yesu was a cry of the early church where they begged, Come, Lord Jesus, with that plea. And then you see another word in the New Testament used pretty frequently, parousia, which means coming or presence. 1 Thessalonians 3 says, May God strengthen your hearts that you will be blameless and holy at the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. And then there's another word, erkamai, that shows up in today's reading. It's the one used by John mostly. It's here in chapter 22. We heard it several times. See, I am coming soon. The Spirit and the bride, meaning the Holy Spirit and the church, say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. Let everyone who is thirsty, come. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's not just a plea for the first century. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That has been a plea for all Christians down through the ages. Christian friends, that is our plea and that is our hope right now today. In our own history, in our own day, we pray this prayer because we pray for God to come and redeem this painful creation of all that causes suffering and pain. We, come for, we pray for God to renew this creation For all eternity in love, we pray for God to come and wipe away tears once and for all from every face. In the meantime, in the meantime, between when that promise of Christ's return was made and whenever that day shall come, in the meantime, we are galvanized by that promise. It is that promise that gives us our hope. It's that promise that gives us our our mission as individual Christians and as a whole church. It keeps us from being complacent, motivates us to live faithfully. It gives us hope and purpose. It gives us our mission as a church. Because yes, there is so much brokenness in the world. There's lots of brokenness within the world. There's lots of brokenness within families, brokenness within churches, all kinds of brokenness. And what God charges us to do is to go out not because of who we are, as if we're somehow superior to others in faith and grace, but to go out because we are taking God's grace. God charges us to to go out with His healing grace out to everyone. 
God wants to use us to invite more and more people into grace and faith so that everyone can hear the good news of God's healing love. I was thinking about some of the mission work of our church, and as we are slowly and surely getting back into more and more of the mission work of the church, you know that we have, we've adopted several schools and children's organizations and youth organizations all around this great community where God is calling us to walk into those places and to work with children to be extended fathers and extended mothers to little ones so that a broken home is not a life devoid of love. That promise of the future galvanizes us and gives us our mission right now, here and now, in this side of history. Yes, there may be much suffering and many long years to wait between when that promise was made and its fulfillment. But anticipating Christ's return is what gives us our hope. We live now by that hope, inviting and encouraging as many people as possible to join us in believing in God and believing in Jesus Christ and praying for His return. Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Amen. My brothers and sisters, we've been blessed to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. And so as this message settles into our souls, let us respond by affirming our faith together using the Apostles' Creed. So I invite you to stand and let us affirm our faith with one strong voice. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He ascended into heaven. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Every time... God speaks, that's a creative moment. And this morning, God has spoken to us for a very specific reason, particular to each and every one of us. And it bubbles up a lot inside of us. And so we have an opportunity to open our hearts and to share that with God. Would you join me in a prayer? Jesus, good morning. As we feel the warmth and the beauty of this day, another day on this side of heaven to put our feet on the floor, we thank you. We thank you for the gift, the blessing to sit with our family of faith 
and to be renewed and replenished by your presence as we worship and praise your name. And God, the gorgeousness of this day doesn't discount the fact that a lot of us have a heaviness on our hearts, which doesn't compare to the heaviness that's been on your heart this week. And so, Lord, we share to you the burden, the mourning that we have over the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And God, we beg of you to rush in like a mighty waters and to be so present in the families and the communities that have been traumatized by this massacre. As you have continued to do whenever pain arrives, Lord, breathe your spirit of peace. Be the healing balm that those and we need. God, we don't understand and we are tired of being tired. We are grieved by how much we have been grieving over the last two, three plus years. And yet we thank you this morning because you have given us your eyes to see this, your world. That when you ascended on that day, and declare that all of heaven and earth is now yours. These grieving moments, these dark days, do not have the final say anymore. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come in and do only what you can do. Breathe the spirit of healing. Be the shoulder for those to cry on. Lord God, we pause this weekend... And remember those who have given their lives for us, for this country, in service in our armed forces. We ask that you would keep all who are actively serving safe. And we ask that you would bless those who have now returned with a spirit of comfort and pride in their service to you in this country. And Lord, we thank you that School is out, and our kids and families get a break where they get to rest and relax this summer. We thank you for all families who are celebrating new life. We thank you for the gift of baptism. We celebrate, Lord, that in your own words, the night is far gone. And a new day is rising. We cannot engender this hope for ourselves. We can't fabricate this. It is a gift that only you can provide. And for those for whom this is, no matter the weather, a dark day, we ask that you would provide the light that they need. We lift to you all of these prayers in the multitude unspoken with the words that you taught us saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now in gratitude for the grace and the goodness of God that has met us here this day and every day hereafter, and as a declaration of who is Lord of our life, Jesus Christ, we give to God our tithes and offerings. I invite our ushers now to come forward and receive those gifts to Almighty God. Let us turn to God in prayer. 
Gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've blessed us with visions of new ways of being your people. And so we offer to you our gifts and our lives. We pray that you will receive them as a sign of our commitment, our recommitment, to follow and serve Jesus wherever he leads us to go, and that you will use us and our gifts to further your kingdom on earth. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Go to the world indeed. Go out into this world to love and serve the Lord and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.